I greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's such a great privilege and honor for me to be able to share the Word of God with you today. What a blessing it is to have this book, this, this book where we call the Bible. What a blessing it is to be able to read it and study it and uh, discuss it as we're going to do today. I tell you, we should always be grateful for this blessing. Today, I want to talk to you on the subject of embracing the fullness of the cross. Embracing the fullness of the cross. You know, the message of the cross is central to everything that the Bible teaches us. If we don't understand the message of the cross, we cannot understand the gospel. We cannot understand the hope that we have in God. And we cannot be saved. The message of the cross is central to God's dealings with mankind. And so today, this is what we want to focus in on. It's, this is a time in the year where churches all around the world are very focused on the cross and the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't believe that this is something that we should just be focused on at one particular time in the year. I believe this is something that we should be constantly focusing on, constantly studying, constantly meditating on. We need to understand the fullness of the message of the cross so that we can embrace the fullness of the cross, so that we can receive the benefits of the cross. And so this is what we want to look at today. So before we get into the scripture, to see what the scripture teaches us about the cross, uh, let's just open in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you today that you have given us this incredible treasure, the Word of God, the Bible. I want to thank you, Father, for the Scriptures. I want to thank you for the words of life that, they, that are contained within the Scripture, that are found in the Scripture, that are discovered in Scripture. I want to thank you for the truths of the cross. I want to thank you for the cross, and I want to thank you for all that it means to us. I pray, Father, that as we look and study today for this brief moment, the work of the cross and what it means to us, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that can understand. And so, Father, I pray that as I speak today, you would take these lips of clay, you would take all my weakness and you would work what you want to work in our lives, that you would bring forth a greater and deeper work of the cross in our lives as a result of this message today. So Father, I leave that request with you today and ask that you would fulfill it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's have a look at our text today. We're going to have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read from verses 18 to 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 to 24. This is what we find written there. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I want you to notice that. He's talking here about the message of the cross. And he says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He carries on in verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. 
and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block, to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. The message of the cross is the power of God to save those who believe. We must believe what the scripture says about the cross if we're going to receive the benefits of the cross. And not only must we believe what it says, we must believe all that it says. In other words, we must fully embrace the message of the cross if we're going to benefit from the cross. There has to be a complete embracing of the, 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 the message of the cross if we're going to benefit from the cross. It's not enough just to accept some of what the Bible says about the cross and its significance to us. We must embrace the fullness of that message, the fullness of the truth about the cross. And so today, this is what I'm wanting to help us to do. I'm wanting to help you to really more fully understand what the message of the cross is so that you can embrace it in its entirety. If I was to ask uh, you today, what does the cross mean to you? What does the cross provide for you? What are the benefits of the cross? If I was to ask that question to the church as a whole around the world today, I think that most Christians would answer that question by saying it means forgiveness for our sins and it means um, the, the knowledge of God's love. It shows the knowledge of God's love. I think those two things would be the things that would uh, most Christians would identify as the benefits of the cross. Forgiveness for sins and the knowledge of the fact that God loves us because the cross is that demonstration of God's love. Now, would they be wrong in answering it that way? Absolutely not. We know that the cross of Jesus Christ means forgiveness for our sins and it means uh, in fact, it really shows and demonstrates God's love for us. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 24 says this. Let me just read it to you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified, that word justified speaks of forgiveness. Being justified, or we could say being forgiven as a gift by His grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. That word redemption is referring to the cross. This redemption which is in Christ Jesus is a redemption that comes to us through the cross. And so Paul here is teaching that in the cross there is forgiveness for our sins. There is free forgiveness for our sins. And so for us to say that the cross means forgiveness for our sins is absolutely true. 
unequivocally the truth. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, we read these words, But God demonstrates His own love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, there are no words to adequately describe the love that God has for us. There's no language that has the words, the vocabulary, to be able to fully describe what God's love towards us is like. And so God didn't try to just use words when He wanted to show us or tell us how much He loves us. What did He do? He demonstrated it. And how did He demonstrate it? What we've just read here, He demonstrated it by sending His Son, while we were still sinners, to die for us. And so it's very true that through the cross we receive forgiveness of sins and through the cross we gain this knowledge of God's love towards us. We see a demonstration of it in the cross. When we look at the cross, we see a demonstration of God's love towards us. But do you know that that's not all that the cross is about? And do you know that the message of the cross as wonderful as these two truths are, the forgiveness of sins and the love of God, as wonderful as they are to us, they do not uh, constitute the full message of the cross. There is more to the message of the cross than just the forgiveness of sins and the love of God for us. And it's so important that we come to understand the full message of the cross because it's vital that we embrace the cross in its fullness. And if we only have a partial knowledge of what the cross is all about, we cannot embrace it in its fullness. And I believe that in the church today, as I look around the church, I see one of the great problems that we're seeing in the church today is that so many Christians do not have a full knowledge of what the message of the cross is all about. We have so embraced and so focused in on these two aspects that we've just been talking about, the forgiveness of sins and the love of God, that we've neglected the other aspects of the cross. And this can cause great trouble in our lives. It can cause, cause great trouble in our understanding of God's work in our lives, God's purpose for our lives. And this partial knowledge of the message of the cross that the church um, has generally today has caused problems in the church and is causing problems in the church. Problems like worldliness, problems like uh, morality issues that we see in the church today, I believe can be pointed back to this problem of having an incomplete understanding and knowledge of the message of the cross. I hope you can understand what I'm trying to say there. This, the fact that we do not have this full knowledge of the cross is leading to problems in our lives. Problems of worldliness and problems of morality in the church. That's why we see the church in the state that it is today. So what else does Scripture tell us about the cross and its meaning to us? Let's consider briefly some of the truths that we see in Scripture. Some of the truths about the cross that many Christians today do not know, that you may not even know. First of all, when we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, 
we don't just see a demonstration of God's love, but we also see the proof of the world's hatred for God. So isn't it amazing that in this one thing, the cross, we see an incredible demonstration of God's love towards us, and yet at the same time, we see proof of the world's hatred towards God. Do you know that Jesus was hated? Jesus wasn't loved. Jesus was hated. John chapter 15 verse 7 says, um, and it's a record of Jesus' words to his brothers. He said, the world cannot hate you. He's talking to his brothers, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Do you know that Jesus testified to the world that its deeds were evil? And do you know that the world hated him as a result of that? In just two to three years of ministry, while Jesus was preaching, do you know that during that short period of time, on three separate occasions, the Jews tried to kill him? They tried at one point to throw him over a cliff. And on two other occasions, they picked up stones and tried to stone him. In just such a short period of time, they were so angered by him, they so hated him, that they tried to take his life three times. And on the fourth occasion, that's when they actually succeeded in doing so. And that was when they crucified him. They got the Romans to crucify him. Jesus was not loved by the world. Jesus was hated by the world. And the cross is a, a proof, a demonstration, a revelation of the world's intense hatred for Jesus Christ. As Jesus suffered, as they beat him on his head with rods, as they whipped him on his back, as they spat in his face, as they slapped him and beat him and put a crown of thorns on his head, and then as they put those nails through his hands and through his feet, do you know what they were saying? They were saying to him, we hate you. They were saying to God, we hate you. We do not want you. And so even as we remember the cross and as we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, we shouldn't forget to see the hatred, the animosity, the enmity that the world has towards God. The separation of the world and God is so clear and so evident in the cross of Jesus Christ. The next thing that we see about the cross is that it reveals God's attitude towards sin. Not only does the cross reveal God's love towards us, but the cross reveals God's attitude towards sin. And it's very important for us to see this. When we look at Jesus Christ hanging upon that cross, when we consider his suffering, we are seeing God's attitude towards sin revealed. Think about this. God's commitment to punishing sin is so complete that he would not even spare his own son. Now that is quite a thought. Our sin had to be punished to the full extent of God's law, even if it meant the suffering and the death of God's own beloved son. In other words, God is so committed to punishing sin that he would not forgive us for our sins without our sins being punished. 
And even if that punishment meant the death of his son, he was committed to doing it. That gives us insight into God's attitude towards sin. God does not look lightly upon sin. God cannot leave sin unpunished. He will never leave sin unpunished. If God was not to punish sin to the full extent of his law, he would be unjust and he would be unrighteous. And it's impossible for God, who is righteous and who is just, to do that. So when we look at the cross, we see the attitude of God towards sin. Every time that we think of Jesus dying on the cross, every time we remember his death, we need to also remember that God hates sin and that God has to punish sin and that sin invokes the wrath of God. When we look at the cross, we see a demonstration of the wrath of God. We see a demonstration of the anger of God and of the attitude of God towards sin. Do you know that God's attitude towards sin has not been changed by the cross? There are some people today that are teaching that because Jesus died on the cross, sin is no longer a problem to God. They'll go as far as to say that. That sin is no longer an issue to Him. It doesn't affect Him anymore. That sin is now irrelevant. Do you know that there is nothing that could be further from the truth? Do you know that that kind of teaching does not come from God, but from Satan? That's the very kind of teaching that Satan propagated to Eve when he was in the Garden of Eden that led both Adam and Eve to, to do what was against God and suffer the consequences of death. You see, that lie comes from Satan. The cross has not changed God's attitude towards sin. What has the cross done? The cross has given God the ability to be able to forgive sin because that sin has been punished in the death of Jesus Christ. So it's very important for us to understand this and to see that in the cross we'd gain an understanding of how God views sin and how God is affected by our sin. And that should make us not want to sin. Do you know that the cross is not just about Jesus' death? It's also about our death. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14, he, he said these words, If one died for all, then all died. If Jesus died for us, then it's as good as us dying. The cross of Jesus is not just about the death of Jesus, it's also about our dying. And in fact, we could say this, the cross of Jesus cannot just be about Jesus' death. It must be about ours too. His death physically must cause us to die, not physically, but to die to sin and to die to the world. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, we read these words. And he himself, Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die. Do you see that? So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Jesus died on the cross so that there might be a death 
in us as well. He died physically so we might die to sin. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, the Apostle Paul wrote these words about himself. He said, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Here he's talking about the fact that through the cross of Jesus Christ, he died to the world and the world died to him. He's talking here about a complete separation from the world that took place in his life through the cross of Jesus. When Jesus died on that cross, when he was crucified, we too were crucified with him. We were crucified to sin. We were crucified to the world. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 19 and 20, Paul says this, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Notice what he says here. He says, through the law, I died to the law. How did he die to the law? He died to the law through the cross of Jesus Christ. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. You see, no one who fully embraces the message of the cross will continue to live in the manner that they were doing before they did so. Let me say that again. No one who fully embraces the message of the cross will continue to live in the manner that they were living before they did so. As we embrace the message of the cross, the death that we're talking about here, the de this death to sin, this death to the world, will be worked out in us by the Holy Spirit of God. And it is this death, this death to sin and this death to the world, that baptism symbolizes and is all about. Baptism symbolizes this death to our old sinful being and to our old sinful life and a resurrection as a new creation in Christ. Essentially, it symbolizes the new birth. And this is what the cross must produce in us if we're going to be saved. The, the words of the Lord Jesus come to my mind right now in John chapter 3 where he said, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, so it's the cross and through the work of the cross that this new birth is affected in our lives. But before there can be new birth, there has to be death. Before there can be new life, the old life has to pass away. And so the cross is the means that God has chosen to use to bring this death into our lives where we die to our old way of life, we die to the world, we die to sin, we die to who we have been, and it is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we, ri we rise to this new life of faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Galatians chapter 2, when he said, I have died I've died to the law. That was his old life. He said, through the law, I've died to the law. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. 
He was saying it's no longer the Paul that used to persecute the church that is living. He said, the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so through the cross, as we embrace this message of the cross, there is a death that comes into us, a death of the old man, a death of the old sinful person. And there is a new life that comes that brings us out into a new way of living. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 to 6. Let me just read this to you. Paul writes and he says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? In other words, we've been united with him in his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. He's saying this death had to become ours. We had to enter into this death. There had to be a death working in us so we too might walk in newness of life. He then carries on in verse 5. He says, For if we have become united with Jesus in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Do you see that this uniting with Jesus in his death must come before we can be united with him in his resurrection? In verse 6, he says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. This is the power of the cross of Jesus Christ that we need to fully embrace. It is the power that sets us free from our slavery to sin. It is the power that sets us free from our old way of living, from our old sinful habits. It's the power that breaks the hold and the control of sin over our lives. We need to fully embrace the message of the cross. The cross is also the ransom for our lives. It's the purchase price that Jesus paid to redeem us from all lawlessness. It's the purchase price that Jesus paid to redeem us from all the consequences of sin. And even more than that, it's the purchase price that he paid so that we could become God's possession. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, we see the elders, the 24 elders that are in heaven. We see the living creatures and we see the angels singing a song to Jesus, the Lamb of God. And this is what the song said. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased, notice that, and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. It was through the cross and through the shedding of the blood of Jesus that he purchased us for God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 to 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Notice he says there, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Do you know that every time that we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, we should remember that we have been bought with a price. 
When we consider the blood of Jesus, we should remember that that is the price, that is the purchase price of our lives, that we no longer belong to ourselves, but that we belong now to God. We have been bought at a price. Do you know that the cross is an example for us to follow? Not only is the cross something that Jesus did so that we can marvel at what he did, but the cross is something that Jesus did to set an example for us to follow. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says this, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps. The kind of obedience and submission to God that Jesus displayed as He uh, went to the cross and suffered on the cross and died on the cross is an example of the kind of life and su of submission and obedience that God desires and seeks in us. Just as Jesus obeyed God, so also we should obey Him. Jesus' obedience to God was complete. There was no limits to it. And that's the kind of obedience that God desires each and every one of us to have. And so as we consider the cross and we look at the cross and meditate on the cross, we must never forget that the attitude of Jesus Christ that took him to the cross, that obedience, that submission to God, that love that he had for his father is the kind of love that God desires for each and every one of us to have as well. That kind of obedience, that kind of commitment to doing the will of God that Jesus had is the kind of commitment that God wants in us. The cross is an example of what God seeks from His people. And so we can see from these points that I've just brought out to you that the cross is far more than just the forgiveness of sins and the demonstration of God's love towards us. There's so much more to the message of the cross. And there's so much more to the work of the cross. The work that God wants to uh, effect in our lives by the Holy Spirit. And so today the challenge is for us not to just see the cross as forgiveness for sins and as a demonstration of God's love towards us. But to go further, to go deeper into really understanding what the cross is. And to embrace the message of the cross in its fullness. And to embrace the cross in its fullness. And so I pray today that through these words that I've shared with you, that you will begin to see the cross in a, in a deeper way. And that the significance of the cross, of what happened when Jesus died, and what God wants to effect in our lives through Jesus' death, would be far more um, evident to you today. I want to challenge you today to embrace the cross in its fullness. Don't just take what you want. If we want the forgiveness of sins which comes through the cross, then we must also embrace the death to sin that the cross brings into our lives. If we want to embrace the love of God and the, the demonstration of God's love that we see in the cross, then we must also understand God's attitude as it is demonstrated and declared through the cross. We need to embrace the cross in its fullness. And anyone who has embraced the cross and the message of the cross in its fullness will have peace with God and will not offer their bodies to sin. And they will not live like the world. 
There's no ways that if we're embracing the cross in its fullness that we will live like the world because the cross is death to the world. Anyone who's embraced the message of the cross in its fullness will be willing to bear Christ's reproach and to suffer persecution, to be hated by the world just as Jesus was hated by the world. Anybody who embraces the cross in its fullness will live a life of sacrificial love and obedience to God just like Jesus did because they will recognize that the cross is an example for us to follow. Everybody who embraces the cross in its fullness will not want to sin because they will see in the cross God's attitude and God's hatred of sin. Anyone who embraces the fullness of the message of the cross will be filled with gratitude towards God. Why? Because they will understand just how much He has loved us. And anybody who embraces the fullness of this message will see themselves as belonging to God and will live their lives in complete obedience to Him for His glory, for His honor. And so do you see how if we embrace the fullness of the cross, do you see how holistically it will impact our lives? The cross is most wonderfully the forgiveness of sins, and that's what gives us peace with God. But that's not all that the cross is about. The cross is a message that encompasses many different facets. And today I want to challenge you to embrace every single aspect of the truth of the message of the cross. Today I've just given you a, a brief and a quick overview of the message of the cross. We could go into um, and have a message, a, a separate message for each and every one of these points. But you can take that further and study it further. As, as time goes on. But I want to leave this challenge with you today. I want to leave this question with you. Have you fully embraced the cross? Have you fully opened your heart to the, the whole message of the cross? Have you received its work in your life? Is that what you desire? Have you been saved? Because salvation is the, um, is the benefit it is the result of embracing the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the result of realizing that Jesus died on that cross for our sins, for your sins, that He suffered in your place, that He died in your stead so that you might be forgiven and so that you might know God and have a relationship with God and be right before God so that you might die to sin and live for righteousness so that you would no longer be a part of this wicked world that is in such enmity towards God and hates God with such uh, vehemence. I want you to see today that it's through the cross that salvation comes, complete salvation, salvation in its fullness. And I want you to embrace the cross in its totality. Let's pray. Almighty Father in heaven, we thank you for the message of the cross. And we thank you for what it means to us, what the cross means to us. We thank you that as we remember the death of Jesus, as we remember his suffering, the shedding of his blood, as we remember what he did 
for us and what he did in obedience to you. I pray, Father, that our hearts would be changed, that our lives would be changed. Lord, I commit the words that I've spoken today and I ask you that you would take these words and that you would work in every single one of us what is pleasing to you. I pray for every person listening to this message that has not fully embraced the cross of Jesus Christ. I pray for everyone who maybe is hearing about it in this way for the first time today. And I pray, Father, that you would help them, every single one of them, every single one of us, to embrace the message of the cross, to embrace the cross of Jesus Christ in its fullness. I ask this today, Father, in the name of your Son, our Savior, the Lamb of God, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. As I said at the beginning, what a privilege it is to be able to have brought the Word of God to you today. And my prayer is that the Lord would cause these words to stay with us, that they would be written on the tablets of our hearts, that they would be written on the tablets of our minds, that they would not depart from us, they would not be forgotten by us. I pray that every point that I've brought out here today would be a point that you would know forever and that the significance of each and every one of these facets would bear fruit in your lives as you go forward from day to day. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May He make His face shine upon you. May He give you peace and may He give you a greater and more full understanding of His grace. Amen.